Good morning. Uh, as I was reading this verse, I was thinking about a couple of stories. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have the time to go um, through all of them. But um, some of the ones that come to my mind are, uh, for example, every uh, September in Honduras, they celebrate Independence Day, the 15th, in fact, to be more specific. Um, and you're, you know, if you're in school, uh, you have basically the opportunity to march, okay? There is this huge parade, and then people, they get excited, uh, and it's a big celebration. So the dream of every single kid is like, I want to march with my school. That is just fantastic. So I had that dream. So once I got into sixth grade, I was super, super excited. And I told mom, mom, this is the moment I've been waiting for. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, you're going to see me on TV and you're going to take pictures. And I was super excited. So they said that you needed to be practicing every single day after after school. So I was practicing and I was with my, my friends and it was it was it was cool. It was it was good. However, I didn't realize something. Uh, the principal did, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't have coordination. <laughs> So everybody was doing the, 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 the thing correctly, and I was just doing my own thing. I want to believe that I was kind of like dancing, okay? Something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure at this point. However, one day the principal was like staring at me, and I didn't think that, but he was staring at me, and he was like... And I was like, no, I mean, this cannot be me because I, I know how to do this. And then he said, stop, stop it right there. Carlos, get out. I mean, you can't be part of our group. I'm really sorry you don't have coordination. And honestly, uh, this is not for you. I apologize if you already have all the stuff needed for this. I know that this is, in, this is next week, basically. Uh, but you can't. You don't have coordination, so you need to go home. And if you know me, well, I started crying. And I think I already told you this story before. I, I just can't remember. This thing of the pandemic, it's, it's, it's a little bit crazy, even for us, uh, for preachers, in terms of stories, because you don't know exactly, oh, wait, am I repeating this story? But I think a couple of years ago, I told you this story. And I was crying and crying and crying and crying. And the reason I was crying was because I felt rejected. I, I wanted to be a part of that so badly. Like, I really wanted to be a part of it. But I felt reject, rejected. And I was like, wow. Wow. I didn't realize why that specific thing was affecting me so much. I didn't grow up with my dad. Oh, oh happy Father's Day, by the way. <laughs> I didn't grow up with my dad. So his absence was like, you know, somehow kind of like rejection as well. So dealing with rejection for me was a little bit hard when I was a little kid. It was a little bit hard. And then one day, the moment. You fall in love, you go, and you ask the question. So there is this girl over there. I, I, I saw her in church. I was like, she's cute, you know, let me just say something. And I was like, hey, uh, Carla. <laughs> Uh, do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was 100% that she was going to say yes. And then she's like, uh, you know what? You're cute and, and you're nice and, and I like you. But at this moment, I don't want to be your girlfriend. 
oh, rejection again. And, 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 you know, if you've ever been rejected for something like this, you know, it hits you hard. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. And then I tried again the next month and the next month and the next month. And it was always the same answer. Not yet. Not yet. I want to get to know you better. Not yet. Not yet. And I was getting frustrated because every single time she was telling me that, I was feeling that rejection. And you know why? Because it's so difficult to deal with rejection. Sometimes we don't want to recognize that, but it's very difficult. Because one of the basic needs of humans, and this is based on the design we have received from the Lord. I mean, we are God's masterpiece. We are created in His own image. And part of that is the need of belonging. The need of being part of something. So every single time you are rejected, no matter how little the situation is, you will feel it. It's going to hit you. And you will experience pain. Different levels, of course. But rejection brings pain. Now, let me be honest with you. This story in the Bible is fantastic. But it's also very sad. It's a very sad story. And, and it's not that easy. It's a difficult story. If we don't read this story in the proper context, then we tend to say, oh, yeah, but you know what? They were good because God was with, with, with Hagar and then, you know, and the boy was fine and, and, and God was taking care of them. Yes, and I'm going to go into that in uh, the next couple of minutes. But if you read the story in the proper context, you will realize that this is a very difficult story and a very sad story. And the whole thing started on chapter 16. This is not the first time that Hagar is experiencing something like this, this rejection from Sarah. It's not the first time. When she was pregnant, Sarah was like, wait a minute, yes, this was my plan, Abraham. Yes, I told you, go and have sex with her. That is fine. But she's pregnant now and she's making me feel bad. And I don't, I don't want to tolerate that. Send her away. Where? To the wilderness. And keep this in mind. To the wilderness. To the desert. She was pregnant. Yes, Sarah was making feel uncomfortable. You know, she was like, oh, you can't be here. This is, this, is, this is impossible. The promise was made to me, to my son. And I'm not pregnant. And you're pregnant. No, this is not fair at all. But honestly, what it wasn't fair was the fact that she was pregnant and she was sent to the desert. Chapter 16. Then she came back. And now we have the baby here. And now we have Isaac here as well. And again, the same situation from Sarah. Oh, Abraham, look. This woman and the boy, they're making me feel uncomfortable. Not only me, but also Isaac, your son, the son of the promise. And I'm not going to tolerate that. Send her away. Second time. Send her away. Where? To the wilderness. Again, to the desert. And the text said that Abraham was like, oh, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about this. And, and, and the author explains that he was feeling bad because of his song. Which one? Which one? Probably the boy. Not Isaac, but the other boy. But then God was like, you know what? Do what you have to do. Do what you have to do. So he prepares some water and bread for both of them to go to the desert. This is a boy, a little kid, teenager probably. 
This is so sad. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's very sad. Then there's this mom for the second time going back to the desert, to the wilderness. But now she's not pregnant anymore. The kid is here. Think about the sensation of this boy. Seeing his dad telling him, hey, here's some water and bread, um, but you have to go. What kind of feelings do you think he was experiencing? That's very sad. Then they left. So one thing that I want you to understand is this. Before I make my three short points. Well, in fact, two things. Number one. In the times of the Old Testament, it was a moral law. Some of the verses that we have in the Bible point to that. But it was more something moral and in the culture. This, um, this, this law of hospitality. So the law of hospitality, hospitality was based on the idea that if somebody is coming from the desert, from the wilderness... And if that person, a group of people, they go by your tent, and if you have resources, you will be the best host ever. Giving them water, food, a place to stay, food for, uh, for the next day if they decide to leave the next day, up to three days if, if, if that was needed. So the law of hospitality was very powerful in the times of the Old Testament. Not only for Israel, but for all the ancient cultures. They were um, used to get people, strange sometimes, strangers, because the, it, it, it didn't matter at all. It was just like, if somebody's coming, let me be the best one for them. I'm going to provide everything they need. That's one thing. Second thing. In the wilderness, and this is spiritual and emotional as well. In the times of the Old Testament, people believed that the wilderness was controlled by the forces of darkness. So it was not only the fact that all the conditions were like really bad, the weather, uh, it was dangerous as well, but it was also something spiritual. They believed that in the desert, in the wilderness, the forces of darkness were the ones controlling everything. That was scary for people. That was very scary. And the second thing is this, and the irony. In the times of the Old Testament, women, they were just one more, uh, they were part of property. That's the reality. They didn't have their own identity. They were part of property. So think about these three things. Hagar, the boy, going into the wilderness. Not only to a dangerous place, but a place that they believe was controlled by the forces of darkness. This is, this is even worse now. It's getting worse now. Hey, you have to go because there's no place for you over here. Lesson number one. We all are going to face rejection. That's a reality. And rejection, as I said at the beginning, it hurts really bad but we are going to face it we are going to have to experience that in some moment of your life somebody is going to reject you and let me tell you something sometimes we think we think that suffering of going 
into different uh, trials. It's about a physical illness. We think it is about just like uh, losing your job, your house, or something related to your physical needs. Or spiritual and emotional pain caused by, caused by rejection. That hurts really bad and that can affect your life. If you don't heal properly, if you don't understand this idea of being rejected, then it's going to affect the way you see yourself and the way you treat others, the way you relate to others. Because all the things that come to your heart when you are experiencing rejection, bitterness, you feel like really mad about people. You don't trust people anymore. You think that everybody's being just a hypocrite and, and that no one is honest. And then you develop this whole idea inside of your heart. And then years go by and by and by and by. And at the end, you are somebody completely different with no connections, no healthy relationships. But more than that, with a sick heart. Rejection is a reality, not only for us as individuals, but also for the society we're living in. And, and we need to understand that the tendency of humanity is to reject people. Sarah was rejecting Hagar because she thought, oh, she's going to take my place. This kid, not my kid, but this kid is going to take the place of my kid. She didn't understand the promise for her. And she was afraid that somebody else was going to steal it. Insecurities. And because of that, she decided to reject this family. That's the tendency of humanity. But we have seen in this verse that the tendency of God and the desire of God is to be there all the time for everybody. But more than that, for us to include people. Second thing. Yes, we're going to be rejected. But rejection can lead us to grow. We can grow. If you feel rejected right now, if you're struggling emotionally, if you think, if you believe you're not accepted, let me tell you something. Guess what? Yes, they were sent into the wilderness. And the forces of uh, the darkness were controlling everything. But even in that dark place, the presence of God was a reality for both of them. The presence of God was there. So in every difficult um, season you're going through emotionally, if you feel that you're in a dark place right now because of rejection or, or probably other emotional problems, let me tell you something. In, dark, in that dark place right now, the presence of God is with you, walking with you. Telling you, hey, you're going to be fine. You're not going to die. I'm here with you. I have a purpose for this. We're going to make it together. One thing that I love about the Lord is that He's not seeing our problems from far away. He's not saying, oh, hey, pray to me. I'm over here in heaven and you pray to me. And then I, I will think if I go in hell. No, He's right next to you. So in the midst of rejection, the Lord is walking with you telling you and telling me that we belong that we belong to him and that we can be rejected by people but we belong to him and his purpose and his mission for you and for me it will happen 
he's going to make it. Then the third point, and probably just connecting all the dots now. What is the, 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 the call for the church? In this story, this is what I love about the stories in the Old Testament. This is not for us to say, oh, wait, look at that. Abraham was so wise. Oh, look at Sarah. She was protecting um, uh, her son. Oh, hey, look at Hagar. Oh, look at the boy. By the way, the boy had a name. The author didn't mention that, but he had a name. That's probably part of the reaction. Ishmael. That was his name. And God knew his name. But what I like about this story is that God is the real hero. When all the circumstances in life are rejecting you, making you feel bad, people are putting you aside all the time, they do not understand what you're going through, God comes because he's the hero to tell you we got this. So the call for the church is to reflect God and not Abraham. Let me explain to this. So this is critical. Abraham was told at the very beginning of this whole story, hey, you are going to be the father of the nations. But he couldn't be a good father for Ishmael. What an irony. All the nations and people, they're going to be blessed in your name. But he couldn't bless the one who was close to him. I want to be honest with you, church. This time that we're going through as a country, this specific time right now needs a church that reflects God. Not Abraham. Let me just explain to this because it's kind of deep for me. We are going into a very difficult situation as a country right now. It's very difficult. We see rejection of some communities. We see how sometimes we just don't realize how difficult it is for minorities to, to struggle and to face the reality that they cannot fit. And this is this is this is part of the situation because the Lord is calling us to do something right now. Abraham knew that he was doing wrong, sending this kid away. Yes, God said, follow her instructions. But that doesn't mean that God agreed with that. Because the will of God was for Abraham to be the father of the nations and all nations starting at home. And he couldn't do it. Yeah, God decided to fulfill the promise. But Abraham couldn't handle that. So church, the call for us is to unify, to bless, to include. To get people together with justice, with grace, with for forgiveness and reconciliation. When I hear some people, and please don't get me wrong because this is not political at all, but when I hear some people saying, oh, black lives matter, and then somebody says, all lives matter, I understand that. However, this is like saying, oh, help me, my house is on fire right now. My house is on fire. And then somebody comes out and says, hey, all the houses matter. 
Why do I have to take care of your house only? I want to be straight on this point. If somebody is struggling right now, we need to be with them. If somebody is suffering right now, we need to walk with them. We can change this rejection spirit that we have faced for everybody. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to unify. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to reconcile. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to be a blessing for our country and for the world. This is the time for the church to say, everybody is loved by the Lord. And if somebody is suffering, I'm going to go, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to fight against rejection. And this can be as a society, as I said it before, but also this can be as individuals. Please take this word in the proper context. I want to encourage you, church, to make a difference. I want to encourage you to be the agents of reconciliation, love, and peace. This is what we need right now. And God is calling us to walk with those in the wilderness, to walk with those suffering and struggling, to walk with those that are feeling rejected, to, those, to walk with those who feel that they don't belong, that they are not part of this. This is beautiful. This is the time for the church to be the church. This is the time for the church to be the body of Christ. This is the opportunity to jump in and say, Hey, we know what peace and inclusion means. And it has a name. And his name is Jesus. And in Jesus, we can be one. And we can fight against injustice. But more than fighting against injustice, is the fact that we're telling people, Hey, you are God's masterpiece. You have a purpose. You matter for the Lord. He's walking with you. Even if people are rejecting you right now, God is walking with you and He is with you and He will fulfill His purpose in your life. Thank you so much. And I really hope that we think about this idea and understand that the presence of the Lord is stronger than the forces of darkness. God bless you.